Welcome to On Focus, brought to you by the Focal Therapy Clinic, where we connect you with issues facing men diagnosed with prostate cancer that are little known, less understood, and often ignored. Prostate cancer is now the most commonly diagnosed cancer in the UK. And with this somber fact comes a multitude of challenges and opportunities. I'm Claire Delmar. Joining me today is Mark Laniato, consultant urologist with the Focal Therapy Clinic and a leading innovator in imaging-led diagnostics and targeted treatments for prostate cancer. Mark has been a vocal advocate for focal therapy from his base at Frimley Health, where he is prostate cancer lead at Wexham Park Hospital, and has contributed to several pivotal clinical studies and trials on prostate imaging and focal therapy. He's here today to speak with me about the impact of COVID-19 and lockdown on prostate cancer services and patient care. Mark, welcome to On Focus, and thanks so much for joining me today. Hi, Claire. It's so good to be back. It's good to speak to you. Wonderful. So let's just jump right in. I mean, we're now sort of in week... Gosh, I can hardly remember now, but I, th I think we're in week three, is that correct, of our third lockdown in the UK. And I'm interested in hearing your views about how you see the cumulative impact on prostate cancer diagnostics and treatment services in the UK as a result of both the uh, infection rate and the lockdowns that we've had to endure. So it's been really interesting having three lockdowns. So, so uh, I think we all saw that with the first lockdown, there was a, a drop in referrals and drop in treatments, which then sort of recovered a little bit. And, and the same thing happened the second and now the third. And, and something like um, we had about a 30% reduction in referrals each time. In some places, I believe it's been as much as a 70% reduction of referrals. There've been some estimates that it would take about two to three years to catch up with all the diagnoses that have been uh, missed out during this time. Obviously, that's quite significant. And also, one of the problems has been that, you know, men, they, they don't characteristically go in to see their GP and say, look, I've, I'm really worried about my prostate. Please, can you do some tests? Usually, what most men do is they, they come in with some other symptom and they often might mention, or, you know, might put a query in, you know, maybe you should think about testing my prostate or should I have a PSA test? So often it's the second thing that's added to the consultation rather mm -hmm. than the first thing. Mm -hmm. So of course, now with general practices, you know, understanding we're not able to do face-to-face -face consultations or having to minimize the consultations to, to, to really the very urgent. Um, a lot of these, if you like, um, unusual opportunities to get tested for prostate cancer don't happen. So fewer people are being even referred up or questioned about it. Yeah, that's a really interesting um, point. So you're saying that even in the sort of, you know, normal time, so to speak, um, PSA tests and prostate health checks were really kind of almost like a, an add-on or almost like a serendipity. I mean, absolutely. It's been by chance often that many men mm. will have had a PSA test and then will have been found out to potentially have prostate cancer. We've lost out hugely on that opportunity to diagnose men at a point when treatment can be potentially minimally invasive and very effective with few mm. side effects. I mean, the, the thing is, is, you know, given what you said, you know, you see exactly what you said in these very frightening headlines um, about cancelled procedures. And, you know, this is pretty much across the country. So do you think that might inspire men to think about it more like, wow, I better I better do something about this? Or, you know, how should men who are concerned about their prostate health react to these headlines? First thing is not, not to panic, of course. I mean, services will resume at some point. And uh, nowadays we have, of course, many more ways of treating women with prostate cancer. But, but if men are concerned, they should still actively go to their GPs and ask to be seen or to be at least spoken to on the phone or have a video consultation. You know, the normal symptoms that we would normally be interested in are, you know, for example, certainly losing weight, but urinary symptoms in general, passing urine more frequently, urgently, slow urinary flow, et cetera. 
uh, spending more time in the toilet than your peers. Those are symptoms that men should still go to their GPs and talk about. Mm-hmm. And in, in the appropriate age range, anything up to around 75, 80, the PSA test would normally be appropriate if they have urinary symptoms. And uh, PSA testing is really the only way to diagnose men at a point when prostate cancer is, is going to be easily curable or treatable. Mm. If we if men wait till they have really severe symptoms, whether severe urinary symptoms or start getting weight loss before being tested, it's very, very late and it makes our options much smaller. So I think that, you know, I would encourage all men who have symptoms or are worried about it to get their PSA tested. So something I wanted to ask you is, you know, you've, you've mentioned how the quantity of services is clearly being impacted, but I'm also hearing that the quality of service is suffering in some cases even more. And often inappropriate treatments are offered um, and recommended to, to older men, for example, and, and we're seeing some signs of age discrimination. I'm wondering if you can comment on this. Yes, I mean, because there's been, if you like, quote, rationing, quote, of, of cancer services in some places, you know, understandably, again, because older men have a shorter life expectancy, to, to some extent, they've been less prioritised in, in perhaps in some places in the diagnostic pathway. So traditionally, we would do MRI scans and do biopsies in people. And now we're often, unfortunately, saying that, um, no, you, you know, perhaps you, you know, we'll wait and see what happens over a period of time. We'll measure your PSA. And if it's going up, then you'll be referred in. Mm. Um, you know, and if, if you look at surgical priority levels, everyone in the hospital has been asked to uh, follow surgical prioritization. Diagnosis of prostate cancer is relatively low down that priority level unless there are really severe issues going on. So, yes, you're absolutely right. So, Mark, last year, one of the things we heard from a lot of our patients was being placed on active surveillance a lot more. And we, we seem to have seen some indication that that has been increased. And what you just said suggests that's, that's true. But one of the outcomes that's been revealed to us a lot, but often not to the public, is that there's a lot, been a lot of compromising on these patients' mental health. That active surveillance is, is actually kind of done or really run them through the ringer on their mental health. Um, what, what have you seen since this? And, and what would you advise men being offered active surveillance during this period? Well, if, if you've been offered active surveillance, um, hopefully the cancer is low risk. But as we know, Sometimes that is not always the case, but certainly if, if, if you're on active surveillance, you should do all the conservative things to reduce your chance of cancer progression. So diet, lifestyle, certainly are what you should be looking at. Apart from that, you should be looking at maybe other treatments that you can have during this uh, period, which are not so affected by um, COVID restrictions. So, for example, now, in many cases, um, surgery to remove the prostate is not possible because... Uh, theatres are being used up to after COVID patients and we don't want to risk patients going to ITU so a lot of operating has stopped. Many people are being delayed on the start of radiotherapy because radiotherapy shouldn't be interrupted. So patients are being put on hormones uh, sometimes uh, if they're not just on pure active surveillance. But there there are other treatments which are can be done as day cases as we know for prostate cancer. For example, focal therapy is one of them mm-hmm. um, and that can be done under short general anaesthetic as a day case so minimal hospital stay and for people who have the appropriate cancers is, is a very effective treatment especially uh, for those men who are potentially also on active surveillance so mm. i mean i think there are other options available to them should they wish to have definitive treatment to to treat the prostate cancer being on, being on active surveillance a lot of people would get worried that they're going to miss the opportunity to have a, a successful treatment you know and um and that's obviously not very nice 
equally, I mean, some men have been put on hormonal therapy to tide them over during this time. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, hormonal therapy causes issues itself. I mean, they get hot flushes, um, you, there can be mood swings. People, men, men can sometimes feel tearful during this time. So hormonal therapy, although it will slow the cancer, it's not a necessarily a fantastic treatment for prostate cancer because of those side effects. Mm. So, you know, there are ways to get around the problem of active science or with the inability to get treatment now if mm. um, people want to take it up. Mm, and you think focal therapy is, is clearly one of them. So, so on that point, I'm just wondering, you know, looking at some possible silver linings here, do you feel that the events of this past year, I mean, obviously there's been some negative aspects like the backlogs and some of the inappropriate treatment, but there's also been some positives, like some various innovations in digital and other uses of technology. I mean, do you think that these have enhanced the benefits of focal therapy or back to what you were saying about, you know, people who aren't comfortable being on active surveillance might be seeking alternatives like focal therapy? Very interesting you say that, Claire, because um, we've all been propelled into uh, video meetings of one kind or another. So there's been much greater use of the internet and remote means of doing consultations and potentially treatments. Certainly because patients are now more comfortable doing video meetings or phone consultations, it means that patients throughout the country have the opportunity to, to speak to various experts of, of many different kinds. So, mm-hmm. you, know, you know, you might want to speak to someone about radiotherapy, but equally, if you don't have focal therapy on your doorstep, so to speak, you can uh, you can now have a consultation uh, like I did last week from someone in Scotland whilst I'm in, in Windsor. Mm, so you have their imaging and you have their, their other files by PSA, et cetera, and you can begin to look at that digitally, as it were. Yes, and it also means that we can bring in experts on imaging. So we work with, as a group, we work with some of the best radiologists in the world, and they can look at imaging taken from all parts of the country and give their opinion on it. So mm. we can now identify men who are potentially suitable for focal therapy and discuss that treatment much more widely than we ever could before, mm. which I think is a big advantage for patients. Mm. No, um, it is. It is. And for doctors, I mean, it means that you can actually do this with uh, you know, less pressure. You don't have to get somewhere and you can, you can do it, I guess, more frequently and more easily. Absolutely. I mean, the, you know, we don't have to spend so much time driving. We can, it means we can, see, we can speak to and see more patients in any given period of time. So I think there have been some witness, absolutely. But, but I have to say, it's always nice to see a patient in, in, the, in the flesh, so to speak. Mm. And, mm. Um, you know, I think that's, you know, where, where possible, I still prefer to do that. But mm. certainly technology has helped a lot. Mm. Well, Mark, on that positive news, thanks so much for speaking with me today. And, um, you know, let, let's hope that that positive trajectory continues. And next time we speak that, you know, there's more good news to share. I'm sure there will be, Claire. I'm, I'm looking forward to the future. The future is looking good. And um, I'm sure we'll all be past it soon and uh, moving forward with uh, fantastic new treatments and offering men more than they ever had before. So thank you for talking to me. Excellent. A transcript of this interview is available on our website, along with several links to Mark's approach to treating men with prostate cancer. Visit www.thefocaltherapyclinic.co.uk where you can learn about alternative treatments for prostate cancer, how we approach patient care at the Focal Therapy Clinic, and access additional interviews with both patients and clinicians about their experiences. Thanks for listening. And from me, Claire Delmar, see you next time.